Hello, I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is the Forever Blue podcast. Thanks very much for downloading and listening. Your support and um, your subscription, which is free, is always appreciated, as is the support that I get from charleslouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors based near Bury. Uh, and led by Dave, who's a big City fan, who supports this podcast. So very, thanks very much to, to him and that company. If you're looking for a mortgage, if your company's looking for a mortgage, if you want advice, go on the website, charleslouis.co.uk. Ask for Dave. If you don't get Dave, you get somebody else in their excellent team, and they can give you the advice you need. Mention Forever Blue. Mention that you heard about them on the podcast, and I'm sure they'll be even more uh, delighted to help you. Now, this podcast is slightly different than the normal one where we react to a game or we look ahead to a game. I'm joined by three members of the City Matters uh, team, if you want to call them that, who are your elected representatives who get to speak to City on a regular basis. And clearly, at the moment, one of the hot topics is when fans are going to return to stadiums. And they had a meeting as we sit here discussing this on a Friday last night, the Thursday night. And so they're going to tell me a little bit about what went on. So rather than me give you the introduction, um, I'm going to start um, by asking you to introduce yourself, each of you, and who you represent, which is the the group that you, of City fans that you represent, because I know you're all elected. Um, so um, away you go. Just tell me who you are. Uh, I'm Adam, and I'm representing the families and children's section of the support. I'm Colin Savage. I represent um, all season card holders, Bar Hospitality. And I'm Simon Walker, and I represent the seasonal hospitality section. Now, you had the, the meeting last night. How many of you, I presume you did it like this, did you virtually, a Zoom or something like that rather than in person? How many, yeah, how many we of you were you? Uh, there were all, uh, there were nine of the 10 reps in attendance, um, and there were about four people from the club uh, five um, i think there was five was it yeah and obviously those are all senior people are they yeah well led by danny wilson who's the operations director uh lisa eaton who's the head of supporter services uh and then we have someone from ticket representing ticketing and um i, I think we had someone kind of from media comms point of view there as well Okay, so how long did it last? I mean, just to get the sort of nuts and bolts of it out so people can get an idea of, of how these things work. It's penciled in for an hour, but as always, it ran and it ran for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the, the club just giving us uh, insight into the, the working groups that they've set up um, and then basically taking our feedback. So although it's about the third meeting, we've, we've had two meetings with the club and we've had one amongst ourselves um, but the, the, the first message really to get out is that nothing is decided yet because nothing has been decided yet from a governmental point of view. So it's all just batting ideas around at the moment, really. Was the agenda last night purely about fans coming back or were there other items on the agenda? Uh, just... It was mainly around fans coming back. Um, there's, there's a number of things that have to happen for, for that to occur, of course. And, um, Number one, I think a lot of people have heard now because the news kind of slipped out. Club didn't manage um, its communications very well, I think, but news slipped out about a potential season card amnesty. So what that means is if you've been using someone else's season card, if someone's died or given up going or, you know, they've moved away for some reason, 
they, yeah, they, they hand their ticket over to someone else to use it. It, it happened, I think I've said it, it's happened in my circumstance. My son uh, went abroad to America. I thought he'd be back in uh, three months, but eight years later, he's still there married and looking like uh, becoming an American citizen. So he had a season card. I didn't want to give it up in case he came back. Uh, he hasn't come back. And a mate of mine uses it. So he'll be able to take that ticket into his own name. And it's quite important because obviously the current, we've been asking for that anyway, actually, regardless of the COVID-19 situation, we have a ticketing subgroup. We've talked about this on the pod before. Um, Simon and I are on that. But we, we've been asking for this for a while because there's quite a few people have come to us and said, you know, I, I'm using the ticket. One example, uh, someone is using a ticket for someone who will go into a concessionary age ban, 65 or over. Uh, and they're not 65, you know, they're in their 30s. So obviously that automatically the price reduces when you go into a con concessionary age ban, but they're an adult. So a few people have come, come to us um, and people want to build up points on their own, of course. Points is a hot topic as well. So we've, we've been talking about this now for just over 12 months and we were planning to do it this summer anyway. But say with the current situation, um, it's very important. I, I've got to stress this point. <sighs> We'll come back to this, but the when fans are allowed in, the club has got to know exactly who is in the ground, where they're sat, and how they can contact them if there is any issue. So, you know, even if we're socially distanced, if, if, if a number of people who've been in the ground come down with COVID-19, you've got to be able to get, get to the people who have been in the ground with them. So it's quite important that it's not the club, you know, being awkward for the sake of being awkward. And again, I'll, I'll stress this again. There are government guidelines, the Premier League, uh, the Sports Ground Safety Authority. The, they've all agreed a pattern of events. So it's quite important that people don't use other people's tickets. In fact, it's, not, it's more than quite important. It's a necessity that if you're using a ticket, your name is on the ticket. So the first thing will be the season card amnesty, which uh, we're hoping will be announced very shortly. So, so people will have a chance to transfer tickets into their name if they've been using their tickets and the ticket actually belongs to someone else and they will take over responsibility for that yeah. ticket. And as Colin says, that's something that City Matters have been pushing for 12 months to actually get the, the, the database and the users of tickets accurate because it's important for away games, it's important for home games, it's just important to have the right people using the right ticket. So, um, you know, that, that was something we were pushing. Obviously, now with the, the, the COVID situation, uh, it's going to be vitally important for when fans are allowed back into the grounds. Um, you know, it's going to be a decision made by the government, not by the club. The rules probably on, on how and how many fans are allowed in will be outside the club's hands. But we've got to start, and we're trying to help them start saying, well, what is the right procedures what can we do to benefit all fans in the ground to make sure they can get to the game, watch the game safely and go home again without fearing picking up, um, picking up uh, COVID or anything. So it is, you know, it's, a, it's going to be a challenging time for everybody, the fans, the governments and the clubs. But uh, that's why we're trying to push them in the right direction as far as we're concerned as, as users of the ground as, as fans. I know this is a movable feast for all of us. Uh, nobody really knows what's exactly. coming. I mean, I, I live in, in Oldham and there's talk of a, an increased lockdown here. So the thing keeps moving all the time. But is there any indication at all from 
um, the club or the government via the club as to whether this is they're aiming to try and get people back in in, in October I've heard uh, November I've heard uh, there was a talk at one point of September I mean has, has anybody given you any indication of of what the aim is or, or percentages in fact of, of well, the date, return the date that was mentioned I think was October the 12th yesterday but that's literally you know Danny's Danny's hearing the same things you're hearing in I don't think that I don't think they've got any more I don't think anybody knows yet but that's the date that's in everyone's mind at the moment the fa the fraction that we've been talking about again that's that's not set in stone we're we're, we're talking about a 25 percent capacity but how realistic that is or how definite that is I, I really couldn't tell you and both of those facts again will be government driven because I've heard already that the you know fans going to sport has been stopped I mean originally I think the, the government did come out and say October and then, and then they pulled it as the rates have started to go up and I think you know cricket were, were allowed 5,000 fans and that was stopped immediately snooker had fans going stopped immediately so as you've already said Ian really it's probably impossible to really second guess what exactly is going to happen when and what even the percentage numbers are you know 25% is just a bit of a stab in the dark but it may be 20% could be 30% but it is a bit of a stab in the dark but and also yeah. I think everyone needs to keep in mind that it may it may start off like that but if if there is some sort of COVID outbreak or second spike or whatever it is it, it could easily shut down again quicker than it starts mm. up yeah and, it, and you know one of the things you know whatever system we try and get in place the club try and get in place has to be flexible because you're going to have people who right now say I'm, I'm not going back until there's a vaccine you'll have people saying I'll go back come hella high water whatever whatever the circumstances and you'll have those in between so and then it could as Adam says it could be you know start off at 10 percent and then go up to 20 percent and then back to none and then up to 30 percent you know it is going to be a problem um for you know, my personal opinion, it could be a problem for a couple of seasons, not just one. But all we're really looking at at the moment is if we can get a blue light to say come back in, then how's that best be done? You know, and it's it's going to be complex for sure. Well, obviously, that must have been the subject that you were discussing. And whilst the dates might be movable, there are certain principles that you may have wanted to talk about. And I, and yeah. I suppose that's the bit that everybody's very interested in. Um, things like uh, th there's a whole list of them here, so maybe we go through them one at a time. Um, it feels to me as if um, fans going to away games is something that's not going to be happening until almost the whole crowd are back. Um, because if you've got a limited crowd capacity, I'm assuming that each home club will want to use as much of the ground as they can for all fans. Was that discussed last night? Um, it's again, mentioned, but... yeah. Sorry, it's one of those well. things where there's been no decision. So, again, it will depend on the government and the Premier League. But uh, I, I, it, in some ways, it makes it easier if you don't have away fans, I guess. And, and, and we can use, we could use that um, capacity, you know, in, in um, the South Stand to accommodate a few more home fans. 
What about um, things like grouping people together? Obviously, with the amnesty, if everybody's identified, um, then you can ask people from their bubble and from their cohort and all that. Again, I understand that the rules might be changing all the time, but I presume that the club, or every club, not just our club, but the club, want to group people together because they can actually fit more people in like that. So if, if a lot of people go as individuals, you've got to spread them out more. So... I suppose in their ideal world, you want like families and groups like this so you can get more people in. Is that part of the plan going forward? That has been that has been mentioned. And again, you know, like say, talking to principals, that is a principle that we've been pushing to say most people want to go. They don't want to go on their own. You know, they want to go with the mate or with the family. And, and how the kind of computerization of this or the systems that, that, that need to be changed to make sure that you can maybe in the end have two two seats together or you have a seat on your own and a gap and a seat on your own with a, with somebody else so it, it, it's very complicated because as a principle we, we've certainly said you've got to look at how you can get people in 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 their family groups because and they don't want to do that because it, as you've just said it would increase the number of people there although they still have to take into consideration the pinch points of toilets bars if they're open getting in and out of the ground you know there's, it's not just the seating that's, that's part of the equation it is the whole logistics of moving whatever it is 10,000 15,000 people in and out of the stadium as well it is the seating once you're in it so it is uh, it's complicated. complicated really but yeah, yeah. Another complicating factor there is that we've we've had conversations around how soon in advance would we expect people to be buying a ticket, given that TV companies move games and given that the COVID situation is so fluid. So we, we're, we're hoping that there, there'll be a fairly short window where people can buy tickets, maybe whatever it is, a month before each game, rather than committing a long way out. That's also going to complicate seating arrangements. And there may be that there's got to be some level of compromise about blocks and stands that people sit in so as far as families and bubbles are concerned it may may be that there's just a part of the stadium that's set aside for more than one person sitting together and the rest of the stadium may just be for individuals also we were keen to make sure that you know all all groups are covered because obviously we have a, a rep who looks after the you know disabled side of things and they often have helpers with them so you know you're going to have this situation where you're going to need to be able to put pairs together somehow uh same with you know if you have uh, children you know you want to go with your son or something you're going to have to be able to put pairs together and um you know that's something that they're looking at and taking on board how logistically you sort that out and you you look at trying to find a way of allocating tickets fairly in fact well, i was looking at i was having a an argument with someone on uh, the Blue Moon Forum this morning, and I was looking at the World Snooker Championships, and that they're, they're, they've just opened up for tickets for the final. And what you're allowed to do there is um, you can book tickets in a bubble. So I could book tickets for the, no more than four, but I could book tickets for the four of us, for example. Um, so, you know, but, but again, it's, it, it, you know, people think there are simple solutions to this. There really aren't. It's, as we found, it's extraordinarily complicated. And I really don't envy the club uh, one little bit in trying to sort this out. Well, obviously, we'll come on to some of the logistics about how people get to and from and, the, you know, talking about 
timed entry and timed exit and all that in a minute. The next one, the biggest, I suppose, hot topic that everybody wants to know the answer to, and tell me what the club said about this one. Um, you know, who decides if there are, let's say, 10,000 people going and there are 40,000 season ticket holders and there are loads of people who've got very high point scores? You know, who decides um, who gets into those games? How's that going to work? Fundamental system is going to be a ballot. But what we've been having a lot of conversation about is how we can factor in at least certain elements of royalty points into that ballot. So for, we, whether it's 50% of tickets go to the, on a royalty point basis and 50 on ballot or 90% and 10, nothing's decided in stone yet. But, but that is, like you say, the main topic of discussion. And equally, we've sort of very much proposed that it, the ballot is fair so in other words, you know, if you've got, let's say the, 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 the average crowd to the home fans is 54,000. And let's say on a typical game, 80% are season card holders and 80% of the ballot should go to season card holders. And similarly with citizens members, similarly with, say, su supporters clubs, similarly with uh, seasonal hospitality, you know, that all these categories, all these groups have got to kind of be catered for. And we, we kind of say, well, the fairest way is to look at what the, the, the normal uptake is. So, you know, just throwing a figure out, if, if 75%, 80% is normal season card holders, then that's where 80% of whatever the allowed number is should go. Um, and, and we've pushed for that to make sure that it is fair and all groups are kind of catered for, right, from season ticket holders with high points down to... You know, there are a group. I mean, at the end of the day, there's 40,000 season ticket holders. There's 14,000 other fans. Some of them go to every game, but they might not be a season ticket holder. So you've got to try and find... All we're trying to do as a group, I guess, is make sure that the club listen, that we want it to be fair. You know, that everybody is is in the ballot for a right reason and, and, and it's fair. Were you guys were you guys driving this debate then, or were City driving this debate? Because what you're saying seems very sensible to me anyway. Well, the people might disagree about the mix of different criteria, the mix of loyalty points, the mix of season ticket holders. Were the club driving that? Was that coming from you or the first meeting that we had, Ian, was basically the club presenting to us on what their current understanding of the situation was and what, what the numbers and the dates that they currently had and the challenges that they faced. And, and they presented to us, we sat and listened, and that was that. Then we had a meeting amongst ourselves where we discussed our feelings about what they'd said, things that we thought they'd missed. And then we sent a fairly lengthy list of points back to them. They've absorbed those over the last week or two. And, that, and the last night's meeting was, was their follow-up to that. So they then came back to us, um, accepting a lot of the points that we made and omitting a couple. And there was some fairly candid discussion about the fact that some of the points that were missed were important to us. And to be fair to the club, they seemed very receptive to, to us saying, no, you've missed that out and it might be a challenge, but it's important to us. And they've said, OK, we'll go away and look at it again. So, like I say, it's a very, it's a very fluid situation and nothing is actually decided yet i mean obviously well, I, I i'd love to be able to... i can give you a list of the points that we've raised if that's of interest absolutely i was going to say what what can you actually tell us is it when you have these meetings do you come away from there 
in a sort of confidentiality thing of, oh, you can't say this and we can't uh, tell you that, this, that, and that. Yeah. Are you able to be completely transparent? We can't tell you, we can't tell you the, the, the details of systems and processes that the club use, but we're certainly free to tell you everything that, that we as a group have said, that, that, that the City Matters group have discussed. We can tell you all about that. Uh, what, what, what did you ask for then that they've sort of so rejected? Some, the basic stakes in the ground were that we felt that nobody who, people who don't want to return while COVID is on should not be punished in any way. So any season ticket holders who, who just want to take themselves out of the equation next season should A, not suffer by having their season ticket revoked, should still be able to re renew the season after. Um, that led on then to stuff about loyalty points. So we've sort of... I think we semi-agreed that there'll, there'll probably be no loyalty points next season. It'll just be paused for the season because some people will still want to go to every game and some people for perfectly legitimate reasons won't want to go to any. Um, so that's, I mean, that was the first sort of stake in the ground, really. The, the spread of tickets according to current allocations that Simon's just discussed was another one. Um, we also were keen to say that fans shouldn't have to opt in or out at the start of the season for the whole season. We've tried to discuss having opt-ins as, you know, like I said before, a few weeks before each game, possibly even having periods of time when the TV companies announce the fixtures that then people decide whether to opt into a ballot for those games once they've got a firmer idea of the actual match date. Um, we talked about possibility of people who've got tickets who then can't attend and what should be in place for them to return that ticket or to to allow the club to resell that ticket. And if, and only if those factions, uh, those things are in place, what, what sanctions may be taken against people who then buy a ticket, don't return it and don't use it, given that the tickets may be like gold dust for certain games. So there's things like that that struck us as fans that haven't necessarily all, you know, been covered by the club in the first instance and that they're now taking those away. I, I would and say the problem. I would say the process works very well, Ian. You know, it is a, it's a two-way street and, it, and somebody has to start by putting the stake in the ground and, and obviously that's often done by the club because they know the rules and they're closer to what, what isn't, isn't going to be allowed in a football stadium. So they tend to put the stake in the ground and then we sort of challenge it or say, have you thought about this? Or we don't like that, we don't like this. Um, and then they go away, we go away, and we have, as Adam says, our own own meetings, uh, okay, now they're via Zoom or, or Teams, but we still still get a chance to communicate. And then we go back to them, like Adam's going to repeat what he said, but you know, with our ideas and say, how about this, you need to do that. And then they come back with some of the modifications to do with that. So they're very, to be fair, they're very open and very, uh, they're flexible with, with some of the suggestions we say. Some of them, they come back and say, no, we're not sure we can do that, which, you know, obviously they've got to take everything into consideration. But most things they then they did, you know, last night they did have a couple that they kind of missed off or misunderstood. And, and there was quite a, quite a, not volatile debate, healthy debate on <laughs> you, you know, we, we think strongly that you should include this. And, you know, and Adam's alluded to it a little bit about timescales of, you know, if, if you get a ticket and you suddenly can't go, you know, that needs to be handled and, and timescales have got to be right so the fan can make a decision whether he wants to go, or A, he wants to go in the ballot, B, he gets a ticket, and then C, if he gets a ticket and can't go, it's handled properly. Um, because no-shows is, is a big issue 
under normal circumstances, you know, during during pre-COVID, there was quite a lot of no-shows who got season tickets. You know, it would be a disaster if you if you're only allowed ten thousand fans and a hundred don't turn up, or you know, that would be a real shame. So, you know, we've we've tried to get all these ideas on the table, and and as I say, the process is healthy. It's a healthy debate. You know, it's good. Just um, come in. I mean, one of the big questions I've been asked as season card holder rep is what's happening with renewal? Uh, and we've asked the club. Our view as a group is quite simple, that we uh, we would expect season cards just to be rolled over without any... Um, you know, we've heard some clubs trying to charge people you know, a third of the price or, or, or a fixed fee. Our view is that under the current circumstances, um, season cards should just be rolled over uh, at least until next season. And then we'll we'll take a view. Yeah, that I mean that seems sensible to me. Um, but then again, it is such a complicated um, yeah. sort of path we, that we're trying to go through is, here. I mean, you've got to look at it. How can you actually have a season ticket when you you don't even know when the season's going to start? Yeah. You know for sure there's going to be a number of games behind closed doors because whether it's October, November, January, so you can't have a season ticket. But those people who've got them, they want to keep them and they want to renew them year after let's hope that's that's what happened so we it's a bit like furlough in the season ticket scheme but you're still the season card holder you still have your same seat it's just been put on ice put on hold for a period of time um, i mean one of the and, thoughts i i had um is that if, if you did charge some moderate fee let's say for a season ticket just a moderate fee that then that would buy you access to television coverage of the games that are behind closed doors. Because this first batch that ended the season, every single game for every single club, albeit some of them behind a paywall, but every single game was available to people. Um, the way that I'm hearing is that when the new season starts, especially if there's a prolonged period of behind closed doors, that there's no guarantee that every game will be televised. Uh, was that discussed about whether it would be, let's look at it purely from a City selfish point of view, is every game going to be on the app? Um, or is there is there a way City fans who were either as a freebie, previously registered as a season ticket, or for a small fee, can guarantee to watch all these games that they would, would want to see? Well, the, obviously there are contractual issues between the Premier League and the, the various broadcasters. So uh, City can't do anything outside those issues. I mean, there's the City Plus app, I think, which you can watch any game 24 hours afterwards. In fact, I took advantage of that for the um, Real Madrid game. But it's now, different it's, watching it live, Colin, isn't it? You know well, of that. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course it is. But of course, one of the issues is, and we did kind of mention this to the club, but it's not within City's remit to, you know, to unilaterally decide that they're going to show all games live. Uh, that, that will depend on the broadcasters, the Premier League and the contract. But what, what we have asked is, you know, can the clubs talk to the broadcast? Because what has worked very well it, since the restart, you know, under the circumstances, given the fact we, no one can get into grounds, is that we know when games are going to be shown. So we've got, not got this nonsense of stuff being shifted because there's a cup replay and uh, you know stuff uh, games are shifted at, uh, you know a couple of weeks notice uh, and you know and we talked about buying you know not buying tickets too far in advance um, you know you buy a ticket for a game and it's moved to a Monday night uh, and you can't go so um, what's worked very well is 
A, we've been able to see all the games since the restart. And secondly, we know when those, those games are. You know, so obviously we're not going to the games, but you can make your arrangements around those games or you can record them. So, so that's been a good thing. And, and I think what, what we said to the club is, if um, there's only going to be very limited capacity within the stadiums, um, then uh, you know, it, it, we, we feel it's incumbent on them to, to um, sort something out with the broadcasters so we get a similar um, s- setup. So, so basically, if we've only got 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people in a, you know, 54,000-seater stadium, then um, I, I think it's important that people do have a chance to watch the games uh, in full and live. So, but again, nothing has been decided. There's rumours that the, um, the normal course of events will take place, whereby we only see a limited number of games in the UK, which I think is daft anyway. But um, I mean, hopefully exactly. this, this will lead to a change. Yeah, that, I mean, actually, Ian, that's a, a good question, which, which, to be honest, we haven't actually asked the specific question. What will happen to games that are behind closed doors that aren't televised? We haven't asked that. I've, I've made a note of it. I think it is an interesting one that fans might be interested in because City probably will be televised, I don't know, 90% of the games anyway. But there might be the odd one game, you know, a game against what uh, Watford that went down. Crystal Palace might not get on telly. Um, what do, what can be done? And they and as Colin says, they might not be able to do anything because obviously you've got the contractual issues with the, with the TV companies who pay millions for this. So, but it is one to raise certainly. The club's answer is the stock answer is always that oh, the TV companies that will do what they will do, and the club can't influence that. That's that's yeah. just how they respond to everything when we bring. When yeah. bring I mean, it's, a, it's it's another discussion, isn't it? But I mean, the clubs are the sellers; they should dictate the terms. And yes. uh, these are extraordinary times, and um, I think you know, and, and everyone you know. Obviously, it's not legal, but everyone knows you can find a foreign stream somewhere. So if you know, if I was in the USA, if I was in Australia, if I was in India, you know, even in Africa, you could watch any game you wanted live. And you, it do seems that. To me, you can do that in the UK. Well, you can. Well, yeah, but not legally. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, to me, it's a whole different discussion, but to me, it's a complete nonsense that we in the UK can't organise things so that anyone... Even if it involves, you know, changing the the, the way the, the t- dates and times that games are played, it, it's a bit daft that we can't watch a game that we want to watch, even if our team's not involved in it and it's not shown on uh, live TV under the current arrangements in the UK. But to directly it, answer your question, Ian, no, there, there's no, there's been no discussion about taking a nominal fee and linking that to TV yeah. coverage. It's just basically being being touted that. You know, we'll roll over all season tickets. We'll automatically renew at no charge. Just, I think that's, that's as easy, you know, an easy option for the club as well as beneficial for the fans. We push no charge really, because you know, even if you had your charge, there'll be a large number of people who wouldn't want to watch it on telly that way or on the internet. They just, you know, so I think no charge. Just put them on hold. Certainly, what we're pushing for. Obviously, there's the practicality of, of getting two games. Uh, when, you've, when you've had talks with the club, has that been mentioned about whether there would be timed arrivals, um, being escorted to your seat? You've got to stay in your seat once you're there. Um, I heard suggestions that you'd be able to have beer in your seat and it would be delivered. Um, and some, some of them you think, is this, this can't be true, can it? Uh, was this type of uh, stuff? Disney stuff, yes. Um, 
So there are discussions around, for example, make, well, because beer you, you can't have at your seat. So there was this, this brief discussion about maybe that all bars would be beer only and that food would be at your seat um, or whether there would be no food served at all or no beer served at all. I mean, everything is up for discussion. But the club quite fairly have said, until they know what the rules are, they can't finalise that level of detail. Obviously, there's still a lot to be discussed on this. I'm trying to think of the questions that a normal fan would want to ask. Is there something that you talked about last night that I've missed that was was a key discussion point? I think, uh, yeah, there were a couple of things. So, um, obviously, you think it through as a fan, your match day routine, you, you, you drive to the game or you get the, the tram or the bus or you get a coach. That, that's really going to be difficult. But I think the, the, the one thing, the... the one thing that was talked about um, was about um, photo ID. So again, we've got to stress this point. It's, it's not the club being awkward. It's the requirements of letting this happen. You know, the government, the Premier League, um, Sports Ground Safety Authority, all involved in these discussions, that you may well, or you probably will, have to have photo ID to get into the ground. Now, you can imagine, let, let's say it's a quarter capacity, so we get 12,500 people turning up. Um, the club is saying at the moment that, that the government, the, 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 the requirement for being able to do this is that they know exactly who's in the ground. So obviously what you don't want is people passing on ticket, buying a ticket and say, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm going to pass it on to uh, my mate. And then something happens, you get a COVID outbreak and you can't contact the people. So um, it, 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 people are going to have to get used to being able to prove who they are. Uh, and uh, there's one thing we forgot to mention actually we talked about the season card amnesty part of this it's not just a season card amnesty what the club wants is to make sure that everyone who's um, got an account with City whether it's a citizen's account support, um, season card or whatever they've got the correct contact details uh, online so again you know telephone numbers emails um, addresses everything even if you don't want to change your season card, but I don't, it's very important to make sure your contact details are current and up to date. Um, but, but the big thing that it will be, it, it, you know, it's bad enough getting into the stadium anyway with security as it is. How do you manage that? You know, because you've got to come into close contact with people. Um, but I think the biggest thing change to a, a match day routine will be you're going to have to be able to prove who you are. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with what Colin's saying. But I think, Ian, the thing for me, which which we're keen on as, as our group and the club are probably even further keen on, is, is just making sure when this is allowed, we can do it safely. You know, at the end of the day, you know, whether you're going to the supermarket now, whether you're going to a pub, whether you're going to fill up your car with petrol, rules have changed. You know, you've got to wear a mask, you've got to do things. And it, and it is, let's be honest, it's a pain in the arse. I mean, I'd love to be going back to a football match with 50,000 people and going to the pub first. But reality, that ain't going to happen. And, and the, the number one thing that the club are keen on is making it as safe as possible and that they abide by whatever rules are set by the government or, or the Premier League. So as they evolve, the club are evolving. And, and the bottom line for me as, as a fan is if, if, you know, and a lot of fans won't go unless it's safe either. So we've got to make it safe. So if, number one, it's safe, we know who's going. The season card holder has got the ticket. The ticket you can get in safely. So there will maybe some sort of timed or different gates. I mean, if you've 
got that many fans and they open all the gates, I'm sure it'd be an easy process. A bit like now, you wait outside the supermarket, two metres in, you know, we're used to it now. So all that's going to have to happen. Um, I think the main thing is this health and safety and fairness. I think fairness in terms of if you're a season card holder and you just don't want to go for 12 months, you're not going to be penalised. If you do want to go, there's going to be a system which we were trying to push as, as, as fair as possible that all categories are covered that, you know, those who want to go, go in the ballot. And who knows? We don't know whether at the moment 10,000 will be allowed, 15,000 be allowed. And let's just say it's 10. And let's say we're, we're, we're playing Crystal Palace. Do we know whether 10 on a Wednesday night do we, and it's on telly? Do we know 10,000 will want to come? We assume they will. But they might not because the whole experience is going to be different. You're not going to be with going to the pub first. You're not going to be with your mates. So the whole thing is a very dynamic, changing thing. But the number one thing is fan safety and, you know, making sure it's fair. Whatever we do is fair. And, and you know, with, with, with 50, 50 odd thousand fans, there's going to always be a percentage you think some of some done is unfair. But on the whole, if we can make sure that, you know, 90%, 95% think this is fair, then that's what City Matters is trying to achieve. I do think that's just an important point. Sorry, just one thing. There. I think that's important to note there, that City have said they've done surveys on on who would actually like to go. And, and the, the response is coming back somewhere between 70% and 90% of respondents saying that they, they do intend to come back to matches. Well, anecdotally, when I speak to people, I don't, I don't get that percentage at all. I know plenty of people who've been had season tickets for a long, long time, who aren't interested in attending matches with 10,000 people in the stadium. So it may be the demand is a lot lower than, than what the club is actually planning to cater for. So again, that's just to highlight the difficulty that they're in. Really. And also that question was put with the caveat, if, if you feel it is safe to do so, and the governments are saying you can. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people, oh yeah, it's safe to go, and you, you can legally go, of course you're probably going to say yes. But like you say, I've got mates who are saying they're not, not going. And, and also, why, you know, I'd probably actually bit better atmosphere on my settee with a few beers than in a ground where nobody's around you. No way, fans. It'll be the real diehards or very local people, you know, who will... You might have, yeah. I you tend to, to agree with you. No singing is another, you know... That was going to come thing. to that in just yeah. a second, Colin, but... In terms, I mean, I did a podcast last week where I had three people who were, I think, 30 or under. And I said to them, and it was a hypothetical question, just to see what the reaction was. Um, if uh, the game against Leon or, you know, some big game coming up, um, you could go to the game, uh, 55,000, uh, no social distancing, didn't have to wear a mask. Would you go this Saturday? And all three of them said yes, with a nanosecond but yeah. they were all young people. And when you see the way young people and older people have reacted to this, I would suggest, without being too general, that there is a huge difference. There is yeah. also the factor of people who have been a little bit disenfranchised by the games going behind closed doors, yeah. hard, who've, who've been really upset. I'm one of them, you know, yeah. who, uh, who feels, you know, sort of really upset and, and disappointed. There are people who've lost their jobs, suddenly got lots of, you know, problems with income, um, who might not be able to afford to go. Um, so there are lots of reasons why people might not want to go. But when you come onto the, the, the masks and the singing, I've heard people saying, Colin, that, um, you know, you, you, first of all, it's expected that everybody's going to have to wear a mask. 
Um, and we know that in society generally, that the people who've got the exceptions that don't wear the masks, um, you know, people are sort of uh, having a go at them in the supermarket or whatever. Can you imagine that on a scale at a football match where some people are in the stadium without a mask saying, well, I've actually got an idea that says I'm all right to do this because football fans are a little bit more volatile. So there's that, yeah. um, you know, the mask situation. And surely, um, although I admit I'm quite a quiet spectator and most of the time in recent years I've been, a, been in the press box, but a lot of people go into the football match, it's all about singing. And if you've got to stand there quietly, or I know you're not allowed to stand, but if you've got to be in your <laughs> seat quietly, um, you know, it's surely people aren't going to stand there quietly, sit there quietly. So that is a big, big thing to consider, isn't it? Could you clarify yeah. why people can't sing? It's not something I've heard about. Well, because the, the idea... of spread of, um, you know, if you're, if you're singing and you're um, potentially, <laughs> you know, spreading... Um, spit and stuff like that. Um, you know, how the hell are you supposed to slag off Gundogan or Mares behind a mask? I mean, it's um, going to be very difficult, isn't it? Can you imagine yeah, going to the, the Liverpool game or the Derby match and uh, and just keeping quiet all the way through? I mean, it's <laughs> it's not in the DNA of it's fans, not, is it? It won't happen. No, I mean, look at look at managers. They were all tapping elbows when they started, and now you know, six weeks later, they're all hugging each other. It just won't happen. Yeah, you're right. It will be a gra it will be a gradual process back to normality, I guess. But you know, will will people want the experience of what you know the term of new normal? Well, you know, it, it doesn't really float my boat going to the game on my own, not with me mate, not going to the pub beforehand, not singing, you know. But I guess if if I'm lucky, I would go to two or three a season. I, I don't think I'd really be up for putting myself down for going to them all. Just you know. And I'm a real supporter who probably normally goes to 80, 85% of the games. And I'm slightly changing my, my mood. But and I think that's the message that we're trying to give over here, Ian, is that we, the, the club are, are just as keen as we are to cater for people who do want to keep going to every game and to cater for people who are unsure about going to games at the moment. Because yeah. both of those points, are, both of those situations are valid. Yeah. I think well, you might find, yeah, you might find there's a rush to get back to the first game in October, whenever that is, if it goes ahead. But then people go and say, actually, it wasn't that great, you know, sitting there four seats away from the next person with a mask on, like, not, you know, not being able to sing and, uh, you know, I'm not bothering, I'll watch it on the TV. So it'd be interesting to see what the impact is if and when yeah. fans finally do get back into um, these restricted games. Yeah. I don't think there's anything major that we've missed in terms of this discussion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there something that you want to say as a, as a, as a representative of the fans, to the people who are listening or maybe watching a bit of this? What, what there's one thing that I thought was going to be mentioned that hasn't, and that's temperature testing. And I get, that is likely to be part of the conditions of entry that everyone will have to be temperature tested. Um, and again, I've got no, no, no firm details for anyone there, but it's, it's something that's going to need to be thought about because if you've travelled a long way and you've got a ticket and you and you turn up and your temperature is high and you're told you can't come in, you know what what happens there? That's that's one issue that I was expecting to be asked about. <laughs> was was age mentioned? Because uh, you know a couple of fans who are a bit older have said to me, "Are they going to say you can't go if you're over seventy? If you're over sixty, you know, are they going to any barriers like that going to be put in?" 
only if the government introduced those barriers. I mean, there's no, there's no, nothing in, in the clubs, the club aren't interested in, in that sort of uh, ruling. Okay. Well, I just say, you know, the club have got to do what the government say they've got to do. So, you know, if the government turn around and say over 70s are not allowed out for some reason or over 60s or over 50s, then the club will have to enforce that. And, and, and again, we come back to this point of, um, you know, there's going to be much more emphasis around proving who you are. Um, so, you know, so the current before this, you know, other people, if I was going on holiday, I'd give Rob, who uses my, my son's ticket, my, my spare ticket, he'd take his daughter or someone. Um, if he was going on holiday, he'd give me the ticket, I, I'd take someone. Um, that isn't going to happen in the current scenario, not for the foreseeable future. So, again... Um, the, and it is a shame, really, because you and the, t the ticketing group have done a lot of work on, on enabling yeah. people to share yeah, tickets yeah. and pass them around and make sure that every seat was filled, um, and, you know, and making it a lot easier for fans to do that. But... It's the current rules dictate that that just has to be stopped now. Well, it's like the ticket exchange system. I mean, we really push that to get that promoted harder and, and give people more tickets to be able to exchange because we wanted the, the seats to be used. But obviously, you know, this has put all that into a different position because it, it goes back to health and safety, really, making sure yeah. that the ground is safe or safe as you can make it under these difficult times. So. I think you three and your group should be congratulated for, first of all, being prepared to talk about this in a transparent way that fans then can hear what's gone on rather than it being something behind closed doors that they don't know. So I'm certainly delighted to be able to give you that platform and for you to be able to share that. Um, as a conclusion now, I mean, you are... And we all are in unprecedented times and you never thought you'd be having conversations like this when you signed up to be a, a fan representative. Do you, do you, you know, just what is your honest feeling? Do you feel as if the club are listening very closely to you? Are they taking you know, the points that you're making on board? Are they giving you really good feedback? Or Because or, we've talked about it before when, I'm not saying the other matters that you've discussed have been trivial, but when they've been less... Um, I don't know, emotional or whatever, um, like going back to, to games like this, um, that, that some people have said, oh, the City Matters is just a box-ticking exercise by the club. Do you get the feeling that this is being taken very seriously? When you came to the end of that meeting, did you feel as if you'd made some progress on, be on behalf of City fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, because um, I think uh, both Simon and Adam have, have alluded to the fact it was a fairly robust meeting. I mean, I, I wish they could have, could have been videoed. Because um, there were certain strong feelings on our side and, and the club themselves have strong feelings. And for me, I've always said this, one of the great things about City Matters is you get to see everything from 360 degrees. So it's very easy for a fan, you know, you see it on Blue Moon and social media all the time, fans to say, well, why can't the club just do this? When you sat there talking to the club and they have been quite open with us, they've been very open with us, uh, you know, I'd you've got to praise them for that. Um, when you're talking to the club, you realise that it's not never quite black and white. It's never as simple as you think it is. And there's always, because if it was simple, they'd have done it. Um, you know, so, so there's always, even something that sounds relatively simple. We had the thing with, uh, I mean, it's all ground into dust now, but, you know, the Thomas Cook flights to away Champions League games and filling those. Anyone thinks, well, you know, it can't be that difficult. But when you talk to the club and you hear all the contractual arrangements, around that you realize actually it is bloody difficult um you know there's no simple answer to it I, I, and let's say i'd like to compliment the club because it was a robust meeting and i think they took on 
we're there to represent the fans. You know, we experience the match day in a different way to, to the way Danny and Lisa, who, who it's their job to organise it, and they are fans. Uh, I'm not, not saying they're not, but we experience the match in a completely different way to the way club officials experience the match. And, and I think they took a, a lot of our views on board last night. It, yeah. And I can only hold my hands up and thank them for that. Yeah. I think the evidence is there, Ian, actually. That, you know, in this process, just talking about, you know, restarting games with fans, we've, we've, we've had a meeting with the club. They, we then had a meeting on our own, came back with some changes, told the club, and they've started to adopt some of those changes. And they can't adopt them all. But if we, if we can get them to adopt 80% of our changes, then I think that's an amazing achievement. And, and that's where we're at. And, and again, last night, we put some other things on the table. We said, we're not happy with that. You need to go away, however difficult it is, and try and think of a solution. And it might not be the fine one. And then, but at least we're saying, think again. You know, and, and they do. And I, so I actually think it's... Uh, I'll give you an example. An example there would be, for example, the, um, the how late could you return a ticket? So there was some discussion around that. Now, the, the club's position is that they need to be able to sell their tickets. They're already being hammered revenue-wise, and they need to be able to sell their tickets and, and be sure that somebody's, the person who buys that ticket is going to use it. That way, they maximise the revenue and they get as many people in as they can. From the fans' point of view... We're seeing it as, oh, how do you serve the fans? You know, we want we're right, our right to buy tickets or our, our desire to attend matches. Now, in 90% of those times, those, those two interests are the same. The, the club wants to sell that ticket to a fan who wants to use it, and, and that's fine. But, for example, if, if I'm saying, oh, you know, somebody who's ill should be able to sell a ticket back to the club 12 hours before kickoff, and the club is saying, but systematically, that's just not going to be possible, then there, there has to be some compromise there. You can't all get what we want all the time, which is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. When, when's the next time that you guys are talking to the club? Is, is this going to be more often now because of, of these situations or you not expect to speak to them for a while now? Well, we'll, we'll give some follow-up, I think. Or, or you know, if I, if I don't hear from them in the in next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll try and get something in because there's no it's point it's having it's meetings it's for the sake of it if there's, no, if there's no change or there's no announcement but on the same on the same side if something is announced or something changes we need to move fast and, and capture it so the answer is we don't have a date yet they talked about two or three weeks so I thought yeah, as a potential but you know well obviously um, the platform is here for you guys to, to keep spreading the word um, uh, and I would be happy to, to help do that um, so oh, cool. thanks very much for for joining me and, uh, and joining the Forever Blue podcast. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, Charter Mortgage Advisors, who make this podcast uh, viable, um, which uh, which I very much appreciate. Uh, but to, to Simon, to Colin, uh, to Adam, and to, to all the other City Matters committee members who are not with us in this particular broadcast, but who, who are an active part of it all, thank you very much for what you do, for representing us, the fans. Uh, I know I'm bit of a weird one because I'm a bit of a journalist and a bit of a fan and I don't even know what I am anymore but I am something I'm a, <laughs> at, at heart I am a fan and uh, desperate to get back watching uh, my club again um, whatever it takes really so thanks very much for your time um, and you know keep in contact and, and tell us what will do the end of all my broadcasts and vlogs and everything one thing we all agree on it's great being a blue isn't it